How do you make business problems disappear? Wrap them in bacon. For business owners, marketing execs, and anyone trying to grow your business, pump your profits, and make more while doing less, welcome to Bacon Wrapped Business with Brad Costanzo. Sizzling hot business advice guaranteed to make you fat. Profits? Every week our chefs will serve you proven recipes for ramping up your revenue. Now here's your host, Brad Costanzo. All right, welcome back to Bacon Wrapped Business. I'm sorry, I mean the most selfish podcast on iTunes. I am your host, Brad Costanzo, and uh, I say it's the most selfish podcast on iTunes because I literally love the fact that I get to sit down for half hour, an hour or more with some of the brightest minds out there and systematically pull all of the stuff that I want to know uh, about their expertise out of their brains and they tell me all about it. And I get to let you guys listen in and eavesdrop on conversations that I want to have anyway with experts and people that I want to talk to. Uh, if you've listened to some of my most recent episodes, for instance, the one with Anton Crayley from the um, from Dropship Lifestyle, you'll understand exactly what I mean in that I'm asking questions that are going to uh, improve and affect not only my businesses, but those of my clients and business partners. And I like I love to go deep. There's no script on the show. We uh, never know where these conversations are going to go. And uh, I invite you along on this journey. Usually, it's going to pay to have a pen and paper. If you're driving, you may not want to do that. But um, oftentimes, I love to get my guests to reveal some just really sizzling hot business advice, the the kind of stuff that you probably wouldn't hear them giving away for free, except that unless you're listening to my show. And today's no different. I've got a amazing expert on the call today. It's Stefan Spencer, and he's an internationally recognized SEO expert and a consultant and best-selling author. Uh, he's the author. He's the co-author of a book called I should ca- should call it a brick instead of a book. It's called The Art of SEO, and it's now in its third edition. And I met Stefan at um, a mastermind hosted by Neil Strauss, who's like seven or eight time best-selling author Neil Strauss, where uh, I think that was the very first time we met. And I also received his book, which is right here, and it is so comprehensive about everything about the art of SEO. Um, He is the author of another book called Google Power Search and a co-author of a book called Social E-Commerce. And he founded Net Concepts way back in 1995 and grew it into a multinational SEO agency before he sold it in 2010 to a company called Coverio. Now, he invented a pay-for-performance SEO platform called Gravity Stream, which was also acquired and is now a big part of Rio SEO. His clients post-acquisition include little bitty companies such as Zappos, Sony, and Chanel. And he's also the host of two popular podcast episodes, uh, shows called The Optimized Geek and Marketing Speak. I don't know if he made, he wanted those to rhyme on purpose, but I love the way they do. Stefan, welcome to Bacon Rap Business. Oh, thank you, Brad. It's great to be here. That's nah, cool to have you, man. So you are piping in right now from Tel Aviv, Israel. Is that correct? That is correct. Cool. So it's, it's like 10, uh, already the evening. <laughs> yeah, it's 10 p.m. your time. It's like noon mine. It's funny. I was re uh, I was recording an episode with a copywriter named Adela Marcy yesterday, and he's over in London, and it was like 10 or 11 o'clock his time. So I appreciate you guys who are staying up, burning the late night hours to uh, talk to us, but. Um, Dude, yeah, once more, it's great to have you on the show. Now, you and I met, I think it was at Neil's originally, yeah, but we keep yeah, on running into each other at a lot of other events from Yes, we do. Todd Hermes. Yeah, we were just you- at uh, Social Media Marketing World, yeah. uh, the uh, Mike Koenig's uh, Social Mixer thing that he did uh, after the, the yeah. uh, Social Media Marketing World. Yeah. Todd Herman's 90-Day Year. There's yep. just been a whole lot of stuff, and... Um, and it's always cool to run into you, but this is what's super cool about this right now is, and I and I've been a guest on your show as well, but that's where I did most of the talking. And this is kind of really cool for me to get inside your brain and pull some of the stuff out about, you know, some of the some of the things that you are working on or have seen that works and doesn't work as like one of the top SEO experts in the world who's been doing this for a very long time. Um, I'll be honest, like one of the things about SEO is it is probably my, personally, my weakest 
area of expertise in all of digital marketing. Right? It's like I'm I'm much more of a direct response guy. I'm like paid ads and doing all this other stuff. And for me, SEO has always been such a shifting landscape. Right? Every every uh, every new algorithm update, every new change, uh, things you know flip around. And I just got yeah. sick of trying to figure it out. So that's why I rely on people like yourself for that. But um, but I'll tell you, that's why I love it, though, because yeah. it's so hard for your competition to stay up to date. And if you're the kind of person who loves change and uh, evolution, y- you can thrive in this environment. It's, uh, it-, it is fast moving, but it's also that's that's what makes it exciting and exactly. uh, gives you the edge. Perfect. Well, th- what I'm going to ask you about is how to get that edge. Uh, you know, very, very shortly. I'm also going to give you a very, like, I love sharing some real world, either challenges or questions I've got with some of my businesses. Like, man, what should I do in this case? And I'll share those here in, in just a minute for all the listeners. You want to stay tuned because that's usually where the best stuff comes out. But I also know that you've got a pretty, pretty cool, crazy backstory and history about, you know, just how you got into kind of all of this and some of the, the weird twists and turns your life has taken. Like, give us a quick backstory you know, around your journey. Oh, okay. Well, where do I start? Um, I guess I could start where I was studying for a PhD in biochemistry, and I met Rob McCool at a conference uh, back in 1994. Rob McCool, do you know who that is? I've heard of him, but I don't know a lot about him. Well, he's the inventor of Apache, which is the web server software that runs most of the internet. And uh, at the time, he was the creator of Netscape Server, and I had not heard of Netscape before until meeting him. And this was 1994, so I was super starstruck and excited. Studying biochemistry, I knew my track was going to be become a postdoc and then become a professor and make a whopping sixty or $70,000 a year. I just decided that uh, this was the train that I needed to hop on, and within a couple of months, I dropped out of my PhD. So I had, uh, I was up to my eyeballs in student loan debt. I decided uh, to talk my way into a conference that was $2,000, but I didn't have any money, so I needed to get in for free, and I did. It was called How to Market on the Internet. It was an IQPC conference, a big conference organization uh, that has conferences all over the world. So I was a mic runner. That was my job. I was a volunteer. That's how I got in for free. And I was quickly realizing, like, wait a second, I know a lot more than some of these speakers. So I have the mic. I might as well chime in. And I know that's pretty cheeky for somebody to do, but I was 24 years old and, oh, Screw it, you know. I was like, I'll just, <laughs> I'll just add value and see what happens. What I didn't expect to happen was at the end of the day to be uninvited from day two of the conference by the conference organizer. But um, I don't regret it because I got two huge accounts from that day. Uh, I, I got a big stack of business cards, people coming up to me and saying, "You know more than the speakers. It's amazing." <laughs> And some of the speakers were big name people like GM O'Donnell, founder of uh, Modem Media. So I was upstaging them, I guess. Uh, they didn't like that, and I was uh, <laughs> asked not to come back. But two of those uh, names uh, that I got, two of those business cards, ended up becoming half million dollar accounts, each of them. So I didn't have to get angel funding, I didn't have to get um, really? friends and family funding, nothing. I just started building websites and doing online marketing for those clients and then, you know, going from there to uh, within a few years, I had Birdseye as a client and then I got this crazy idea that I could do this internet thing from anywhere. It was 1999. I applied for residency, permanent residency in New Zealand. I'd never been there and I don't know what drove me to do that. It was just intuition. But I got in, and then I convinced my wife at the time and my kids that, hey, let's do this. Let's move halfway around the world. And um, I tried to sell the business. This was, you know, back when, um, so early, still early days of SEO and so forth. Couldn't do it. I had interwoven my own personal brand too much into the Concepts brand, and nobody wanted to buy it without me. Mm, yeah, that's always one of the big dangers the world. of a personal brand, right? Like it's it's big danger. Yeah. So if you make uh, your 
personal brand and your company brand intermingle too much, then be prepared to go with the company. And essentially, you, you have a job. You're self-employed. You don't have a company. You don't have an asset that can make money and, and do its thing without you. So right. I learned and, that you know, lesson. And it's hard just to interject right there. You know, the challenging part is when you do it, when you're growing your business, when you inject a personal brand on there to give your brand a face and name and personality, et cetera, it is a great accelerator. It can be if you've got a good personal brand, but it can be a great accelerator and it can get you to the finish line quicker than just having a generic company. But what you just said is the is the caveat, which is you know, be careful about tying yourself too much to it to where they're buying you. Some of the best advice I've gotten, which is you know, instead of trying to be the guru and build, you know, a cult of personality around yourself, treat yourself like a pitch man for or a pitch person, I, sh- I guess I should say, um, for the product to where it's almost interchangeable where, yes, you're important, you know, you can be out there, you can be doing the pitch, but you're still seen as the pitch person for it. And you're not just selling yourself. And uh, it's a little tweak, but I think it's an important one for anybody with a personality driven business. Well, you know, my take on it is a little bit different, but it's close. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to neglect my personal brand, Mm -hmm. and I don't think anybody should because you take that to the grave. That goes with you through whatever careers and companies, so don't neglect your personal brand. That said, if you inextricably link your personal brand with your company brand, well, that no longer is a standalone asset. The point of a business is that you eventually sell it, you exit. And if it's not built to sell, right, so then it's the name of a book by John Warlow, if you haven't followed the process that um, Michael Gerber laid out in the E-Myth, you, you don't have a business. You. You, you're self-employed. So this is very, very, very important. Build both of those in parallel, the company brand, the personal brand, and don't interlink them too too much no i like that anyway so yeah yeah so i went on to move to new zealand with my family and we stayed there for almost eight years and then we moved back and i uh, moved back in part to sell my business Uh, we were in three different countries at that point we had dozens of staff we had millions uh you know like six million in revenue uh, at that point and uh, moving back to the states meant i could sell the business more effectively because it really was still at a U.S.-based business, even though we had a New Zealand office and the majority of our staff were in New Zealand. And it worked out. Within two years, we sold the business, and uh, now that's part uh, that business got acquired by Covario, as you had mentioned in the, in the beginning, in the intro. And then Covario got acquired by iProspect, well, actually by Dentsu Aegis, the multi-billion dollar ad agency conglomerate, mm-hmm. which includes the iProspect brand. So many of my team members, my uh, former staff at NetConcepts are still at iProspect even today. And, um, you know, I did my little earn out six months and out the door as soon as the the check cleared. (laughs) Oh, I Uh, imagine. Well, I'm I'm not employable by anybody. I think I'm completely unemployable because I can't work for anybody. Yeah, most entrepreneurs are like that. We like the we like the crazy startup. We like to do our own thing. We like to not ask permission, but just get in there, do stuff, and then figure it out. You know, win or lose, and uh, it's who we are. Like right. So that's one of the worst things is when. you know, you buy a company and you, you're holding on to the guy who founded it and thinking that you're going to, oh, this is great. He's just going to run this and operate this for me. It's like, well, you're, you might be missing the point because that kind of guy who's good to start up is not necessarily the best operator. It's interesting. I was talking to a guy um, uh, on one of my other episodes named Carl Allen, who, and I'll put a link to anybody who wants to hear that, about buying businesses. And he's bought, you know, I don't know dozens and or hundreds of whatever businesses he's been doing this for 30 years and he said one of his tricks right there for this exact reason is he goes i like to find a business where um i'll buy it and then this the the founder slash ceo will step out but i try to retain the coo if they have one on board because they're a much more of a employee type mentality and they know how to run the damn business but i i try not to hold on to the the founder of it i was like yeah that's actually pretty pretty smart and it dovetails exactly into what you just said right there yep yeah so true and yes 
So what's your business model right now? So I know you've got your shows, which are great, but that's the one thing I was, I was trying to remember. I was like, well, you know, I don't exactly know what your business model is. Like, are you, do you have an agency now? Do you do any consulting, coaching, et cetera? But like, what is your primary uh, business model at the moment? Yeah. So consulting is mm-hmm. uh, my primary business. I also have uh, some coaching clients and that encompasses not just SEO and even other forms of online marketing, but um, business consulting and even some uh, mindset, kind of personal development type coaching as well, just whatever the client needs. Uh, I've gone through so much personal development over the last uh, decade and yeah, I've, I've learned a few things. So I, I'm happy to share that. Or we could just focus solely on SEO. Um, well, we can do both, but you know, on the, on the mindset stuff, it's funny. Like, I don't remember where it was. It was either on a Twitter feed or a Facebook feed or something. Um, and I think it was you who talked about the book and speaking of Neil Strauss, uh, I can't remember where this was, but I thought, I think I saw it. Did you recommend the book, uh, that you had read with Neil called the tools? I did recommend that. Maybe I saw it on one of your pod. I think I saw it on one of your, in one of your podcast episodes. And it's like, yeah, dude, that yeah. was such a good book. Like, I love that book. I've recommended it to several people, and I was like, oh, damn, this is this is really really cool stuff. So, oh my god, it's it's life changing. Really? Yeah, is. yeah, yeah. It it, it w- just one of those five tools in the book uh, got me this breakthrough where I I let somebody into my life who I had um, kind of mercilessly excluded from a family member, mm-hmm. and um, that was over two decades ago. Oh, wow. I had held this grudge against her for two decades. And um, it, it didn't, it wasn't even my in, in my uh, kind of view screen to forgive her, to let her back into my life and let her meet my kids and all that. She'd never met my kids. Hmm. And so I read the book. And, and, and one of the tools, tool number two, it talks about uh, visualizing the person in front of you uh, that you're in conflict with. Visualize yourself filling up with energy, love from mm-hmm. the universe, and then visualize that, that flow of energy of love from you into the person in front of you and them filling up with love. And so you're not depleted. You then fill back up with love from the universe and I did that little exercise with uh, my family member that I'm talking about, and I called her up after that little exercise, and we had a beautiful conversation, and uh, within a few months, uh, she had come to visit me in, in Madison, Wisconsin, and met two of my kids. Uh, the other kid was not in town at the time, and uh, she's been part of my life ever since, and you know, it's, it's not without its challenges, but it's been such a gift. It's a gift for her. It's a gift for me. It's a gift for my kids. You know, I'm a model for my children and uh, everybody mm-hmm. around me. And when I'm doing the, the hard work, uh, walking the talk, th- that rubs off much more so than me sending uh, my kids to a Tony Robbins seminar or something, which I've done. I've, yeah, I, I've but, had but you're absolutely right. It's, three calls, you know? but, but you're absolutely right. There's no better way to model it. And you know what you just said, it, you know, for anybody who's listening, it's like, man, that sounds kind of woo-woo. First of all, that stuff works. I mean, this book is so, it's such practical tools that you can use. And I've I've done that many times where, you know, you have to kind of take a, a step back and and change your perspective on stuff. And if, you know, imagining like filling yourself with love and like giving that out, I mean, it completely changes you, I think, at a cellular level. But um, and it makes you realize that going around with these grudges and uh, not forgive, you know, not like forgiveness is one of the most powerful things in the world that you can do and move on. And it just frees up so much energy, just positive energy to put everywhere else in your life. And uh, yeah, I remember I went through that. I, I, um, I, I, I recommended this book to so many people. And I'm, as we're talking, I'm sitting here looking for this. I know I outlined the book and the, the tools in there just so that I wouldn't forget it. But um super powerful. And you know, it's funny, I think all, you know, you talked about how you've been on this, you know, this deep personal development um, 
quest, yeah, not quest, but you know, journey as well. And I think most of the entrepreneurs, especially the ones that I know who are really successful, not just in business, but have successful lives, have done that because being an entrepreneur is fraught with doubt, uncertainty, second guessing yourself. And most of us, I, th- I think most of the successful ones, we get into, you know, we're driven to succeed oftentimes by something in our past that's driving us. Maybe it's a chip on our shoulder. Maybe it's a feeling of not being good enough. Maybe there's a whole bunch of mental issues because you got to have some mental issues to, to go about being an entrepreneur. It is, there is no safety and there's no safety belts in this thing, right? So yeah. I think you got to be a little bit, a little bit off kilter to even jump into this business and or you I think you were kind of forced into it like you said unemployable but um the more personal development we do the, I think the better our not just our businesses become but our lives and I can tell it's had a big impact on yours yeah you know I think of business as a spiritual game mm-hmm. that if you're adding value which you should be no business should survive if it's not adding value right. but um you know, it's 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 a spiritual game to add value in people's lives and in their businesses. It it can really have profound impacts on everybody around you, and and you're a model for others. There are plenty of business people who are just sharks and are kind of unconscious in in their businesses and in their lives. But you don't have to be that way. So if you can. Uh, kind of elevate beyond your robotic consciousness and, and, and be more aware. You know, it's, it's, it's such a great playing field, the, the world of business, to apply your spiritual pr- principles within, I think. I couldn't agree more. So let's jump in. Let's jump into some of the SEO stuff because I have got, I've got some big questions on this. And... Um, SEO has shifted so much. I've been doing this business for ten years. You've got a lot more. Uh, you've got a lot more. What do I call it? Uh, experience in it than myself. So I'm sh- I'm sure that you have seen the landscape of SEO just run the gamut from way back in the day when it was super easy to just build a whole bunch of links to stuff, spam links doesn't matter, just links, and things would do really well, and uh, it was easy pickings to, you know, the plethora of changes that Google has made, etc. Such as such as making, and, I, and I'm going to give you what my take on it is. Like this is almost my very ignorant take on the landscape of SEO now. But as I've heard, tons of building built in tons and tons of backlinks, especially just random backlinks or whatever, doesn't really matter as much anymore. That they've really got it to where just really epic content is king. I mean, it's always been king, but that it's gotten a lot harder to manipulate the search engine rankings using uh, like even white hat stuff. And I know some of what I'm saying is is incorrect, but that it's it's just become so they Google's become so smart and it's become so difficult to actually outsmart them or to optimize that it's almost not even worth trying. It's just like, well, put out really good content and uh ideally get some good backlinks and then just kind of focus on everything else and hope for the best. And I know that's not the right way to do it, but I'm really curious to see, you know, what is, what are some of the most foundational effective principles that are working right now in SEO and maybe what's not working so much anymore? Yeah. So first of all, it's never too late to start doing SEO. SEO is uh, so important, so foundational to your online business that it's um, it's tragic it's it's a tragedy if you do not do it mm-hmm. so so many sites uh, I've seen have um, just appallingly bad SEO and they should know better it, the, the problem is they don't the the developers who built the site they didn't know what they didn't know about SEO and the marketing department didn't know about how to write content and develop video content and so forth in a way that was good for SEO instead of bad for SEO or, or uh, like uh, of zero benefit for SEO. And also building links and not just waiting for the links to magically appear. You don't magically appear in the New York Times without <laughs> putting in the effort, without actually seeking that out. Nobody's going to call you from the New York Times and say, you know what, um, I don't think we've ever contacted you before, but you know, I think it's time that you're in the paper. 
Like you need a PR firm. You you need to proactively do public relations. Well, in order to get high quality links, you need to do the same thing. You need to do essentially public relations. You need to do outreach. And if you're not doing that, you're just uh, hoping, I guess, it's a wing and a prayer that your your business is going to uh, increase and things are going to work out. That's really not a good strategy. So those are the three pillars to SEO, by the way, are content, architecture, which includes all the technical stuff, and links. All mm-hmm. three pillars have to be strong. If any one of those three is weak, you are going to be essentially sitting on a two-legged stool and you're going to fall over. So if you had great content and you did not do any link building, so you don't have great links, and yet you've you know, built a, a, a very uh, technically sound search engine friendly website, let's say on, on WordPress or if it's an e-commerce site on, let's say, Magento Commerce, really solid, technically great content, but no links. Are you going to rank? Heck no. <laughs> and, and that wasn't uh, that, that was still true a, two years ago, a decade ago. So, and it will be true in two years' time as well. So let me ask you about the link building then. Um, it, I, I do know that like in the past, there was a million ways to go out, like, you know, buy software that does it and, you know, buy links and just do all this other crap that, you know, has arguably gray or black hat or, or even just downright dangerously ineffective stuff that can get you uh, <laughs> banned when Google sees it. But, well, some just, stuff was even illegal. Yeah, exactly. Hacking people's websites and injecting links uh, mm-hmm. to your site from uh, the hack, yeah, definitely illegal. You're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to do that. <laughs> Damn, I guess I shouldn't have been doing that all this time. But just kidding. Uh-huh. The, um, when it comes to when it comes to building links, like and reaching out. I mean, um, is there a great example of how to make that happen. You know, let me let me give you some real world examples. So I bought a website business last year. Okay, and it's got really good SEO for in it's in the home beer brewing niche. And I uh, I don't know much about home brewing, by the way. Uh, I'm not the one who's writing articles, etc. But it's got it's been around for like, I don't know, five or seven years. And it ranks pretty darn well for a lot of good keywords you know, getting a lot of traffic like 60,000 visitors a month organically which is fantastic uh, but at the same time I sat down and I'm like I don't know enough about SEO personally to even audit this in the right way to say you know I can look you know I got a subscription to Ahrefs I think it's called right and I started yep. to go through it and good I was tool. just like yeah, and I was like, ah, this is so advanced for me. I need to pay somebody to kind of go through it and find the, I guess if, even if it's the 80-20, like what is the 20% of the most highly leveraged things that I should be doing to number one, like audit it and get a good lay of the land of where, where are my strengths, where are my opportunities, what, you know, what are my weaknesses and threats here, um, and then come up with a good plan of action to get content created, which is not that hard to do. Um, but then also to go about building links in this and, you know, what would you say, you know, is, is the right course of action in in something like this? Like, listen, you've got something, it's got some good SEO, but it needs to get a lot better. Um, you know, what's, what's a good foundational roadmap for, you know, the audit and and optimization at a high level? So the first, the first step is the audit for mm-hmm. sure because if you are acquiring a site or you're thinking of acquiring a site it's like having a home inspection before you buy the house you need to do that and that includes a technical audit of all the architectural stuff all the the configuration things that's uh, things like canonical tags and 301 redirects and um robots.txt directives and uh, meta robots, uh, no indexed uh, tags, all this sort of geeky stuff. And and there's a lot of it. And then you have to look at the content and how well that's been SEO'd. And then you need to look at the links. And that includes not just how many backlinks you have and what kind of, um, you mentioned Ahrefs. Well, there's a, 
uh, a, a UR and a DR score, UR for URL and DR for the entire domain, you, you can look at those scores, but you need to do a much deeper dive and look for things that are abnormalities in your link profile so that it looks like maybe that site had done some uh, not so white hat link building in the past and that left a footprint. There is too much um, unnatural looking stuff in the link profile. Too many of the same type of uh, sites linking or too many of the same uh, TLD, top level domains that are linking or you know, it's just uh, same anchor text. Uh, the the underlying words in the links are are too much um, focused on money keywords and, and, and don't look natural. You got to do all that sort of analysis, and then you buy the site once you once the site checks out. And you're not going to probably be skilled enough to do that uh, audit yourself. Totally, I mean, it's possible. You'd have to take a course. You maybe read my book. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can do that, right? 994 page book, but you couldn't make you it know. a thousand. Come on! <laughs> did you even did you even think about just adding six more pages? Just I to did. Say? <laughs> I did. You know, I just round it up and I just say it's a thousand page book. <laughs> so it's uh, it's a little daunting. I, I do have a. By the way, I have an SEO uh, do it yourself audit course uh, that is about twelve. Yeah, actually, maybe more like 16 hours of video content. It's very, very good. So that's probably the quicker, uh, better way rather than just reading the 994 pages. Right. Well, and but I'm of the, you, I'm of the, yeah, I'm the kind of guy who likes to hire somebody to do it for me and then give me the exactly, uh, yeah, yeah, give me the prognosis. Hire like, okay, yeah, what's wrong with it and what do I need to do to make it right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So and that's what an audit includes is the all the recommendations. And mm-hmm. not just the identification of all the issues. Yeah. The the th- the thing is, is now you got a roadmap of of things to do. Who's going to do it? Because if you, you don't know. have somebody to uh, implement the audit findings and recommendations, then there's no ROI in the audit. Right. So that's that's very very important, and you don't want to uh, you, you don't want to get chintzy and and go the budget route. Uh, and hire the the low priced supplier to do the implementation because that's mm-hmm. where you end up with a penalty if you if you get it wrong, right? So they cut some corners and they built the wrong kinds of links or they misconfigured things. They actually accidentally got the whole site de-indexed, but oh, they'll they'll fix it. They'll it'll <laughs> come back and never comes back quite yeah, exactly. right. There's all sorts of issues, so it's better to not hire anybody. Then and to hire, hire the wrong person. Somebody, yeah, hire somebody who's cheap. And cheap, I mean, like, if it's somebody who's under, let's say, five Fiverr. grand a month. Yeah, it's yeah, not Fiverr, right? If it's if it's a Fiverr to hire this person, then you know uh, you're, you're going down the wrong, wrong route. So $5,000 a month retainer is probably the minimum for somebody really good at SEO. So my retainer is $15,000 a month. And, of course, you get what you pay for. So mm-hmm. if you hire somebody who's, let's say, $1,500 a month, be wary that what they produce for you is probably going to be a whole lot of nothing, just some reports that uh, dance around some some uh, some stuff, and they're, they're, it's a snow job. They're, they're, not, they're not delivering anything. It's smoke and mirrors. Or they're doing something that's really sketchy, like low-quality link building, and that's going to come back to bite you big time. So, so when I'm yeah. hiring, and this is this leads me to a, actually a different thought thread here, which I love, which is, and you've given me some of this. So if I am looking to hire somebody to do this, um, what are some of the things that I should make sure that they're doing? So, I mean, would it be basically, I mean, and I guess it might fall around those three pillars that number one, they've not only audited, but they are making sure that technically everything they on the site is as it should be and that new content when it's created is done you know with the right you know using the right linking strategies and the right um you know technical etc and that and that it is good original content but then also should they they should be going out and building high quality links in a white hat ethical way is that correct like those are the the three things that i should basically be looking for in somebody who's going to manage that aspect 
Well, you're probably going to end up with more than just one person because how many people do you know who are really technically adept, uh, able to go in and change uh, the httpd.conf file or or the htaccess file, go in and and code some regular expressions into the rewrite rules and not screw it up? And in the same day, perhaps write a really remarkable blog post that goes viral and is super compelling and very creative and perhaps also to have the skills of a PR professional to do the outreach and let the right bloggers and influencers know in in the right way with the right angle the right hook that, what are some of the what are some of the right angles in letting them know and getting them to link to you because i mean obviously you know you can sit like you said sit and pray and hope for organic backlinks but that's probably not going to happen. Um, but what are, you know, what are some of the more effective ways to reach out? Just finding other sites that have talked about something kind of similar and letting them know that you've written an article that kind of, uh, builds on that point or accentuates it, et cetera. And just say, Hey, listen, would you, you know, like the link to this or is there kind of a, is there a better way to work? Right. You know what I'm saying? I know that was, yeah, I know there's a better way to do it for sure. Right. Do you ever get those kind of emails? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, hey, and I ignore I them for the most part. Exactly. You ignore them. They're of no value. It's, it's, it's like a, um, they're trying to get something instead of trying to give something. Yes. So what is, a, what is maybe a better approach that tends to work a little bit more often? Right. Let's say, well, let's first, say we have an, a great piece of content or a lot of content. Like we're really proud of the, of the content there. How would you go about reaching out and... Yeah, well, that is the prerequisite, is that it has to be great content. I would say remarkable, and and I'm using that term very deliberately. I'm using remarkable because Seth Godin uses that term remarkable, and he defines it as worth remarking about. Mm -hmm. It just simply has something about it that is worth remarking about. And I I actually just interviewed a few hours ago Seth Godin. uh, Really? That's awesome. For my speak podcast, yeah. I've heard he's kind of hard to get, too, so congratulations. Oh, he is. Yes. I've gotten some really hard to get people like Dan Kennedy. And oh, wow. You got, Abraham. you got a uh, Dan. That's great. Yeah, he was very tough to get, but uh, I actually had to fax his assistant who then faxed uh, Dan. So crazy. Uh, yeah, fax machines. Uh, they still exist. So if, yeah, and this is to the point of, of being, of persevering. If you know that you have a mission and you have something remarkable that is worthy of being shared and spread and that will change the world, you'll get uh, eventually what you're after. So you got this prerequisite of remarkable content that it is worth sharing, it's worth spreading, it's worth uh, remarking about, worth discussing. Mm -hmm. Now you got to get it out there. And when you're outreaching to, let's just say, an influential blogger, in so you, we, we talked about your website being in the homebrew home space. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you are outreaching to a blogger who's a homebrew blogger. He, he's like so into it. He's been doing it for years and years and years, and you're new to it, so you don't have the right words. You don't have all the right connections. You can't um, say, "Hey, we." We were at the same conference a few months ago, but we didn't get to meet. I wanted to say hello. No, you don't have that camaraderie. You don't have the 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 shared experiences or anything. So what you have is there's a continuum here. This is a continuum starting with the really low-quality outreach of, hey, I've got a great piece of content that your audience, your readers are going to love, and that's not serving anybody but you really I yeah. mean you think that it's serving the their audience but it's not all the way to the very end of that spectrum where you just want to give 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 and whether you get a link or, or not is of no consequence right so if you outreach to somebody and say I want to do a free SEO audit for you and I don't expect anything in return. I just love the mission that you are on and the things that you're doing in the world. And I want to be a part of that. And I expect nothing in return. And I charge you know, X number of thousands of dollars for an SEO audit. I'm going to do it for free for you. And I also happen to write this book and da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, wow, okay. 
Now that's the other end of the spectrum. And I've done that. I've outreached to nonprofits who are doing amazing things in the world, and I've offered my services for free without any expectation of anything. When you give without expectation, and this is a spiritual lesson too. If you, let's say, give to a homeless person and you have expectation that they will thank you for it or they will at least be respectful as they are receiving the money from you, you already lost the game. Right. Yeah. Give without expecting. And yeah, I mean, that's that, where that, the I've kind of run my life like that and it's, it works out phenomenally well. Yeah. But yeah. so that's in where giving. The blessing is when you give and you don't have expectations of receiving, you get the, the, the blessing from, from the light, from the creator, uh, instead of just getting that little bit of something, that smile or the thank you or whatever. It's not about that. That's that pales in comparison from like in comparison to the blessings you get from from the universe. So if you outreach with that in mind and say, well, I want to be somewhere closer to the give end of the spectrum, but I can't just give selflessly uh, to the point where, you know, there's there I I can't pay my bills. Mm -hmm. So what's more kind of in the middle? Well, what if you collaborated with them? First of all, you offered to. uh, help them with some sort of research study or, or some uh, analysis that they're doing. You're, you've been following their blog and, and they're, they're testing all these different homebrew recipes and all this different equipment and everything. And you contact them and say, hey, I, I know you've been struggling to get uh, all this equipment and to get donations for the equipment and stuff. I'd love to just help you with uh, outreaching to those companies and, and see if they'll donate. You've probably you know, gone through some of them, but not all of them. I have some connections in the industry. I just bought a site um, in, this, in this space, and I've been outreaching to them and building relationships. I'd love to just help you get the rest of your equipment so you can uh, finish your, your, uh, your study, uh, your analysis. Like, what? Uh, oh, yeah, okay, sure, that's great. Or let's say you just want to collaborate, and instead of outreaching, like, I want to uh, write a guest post for your blog. I hate those. Delete, delete, delete. What if it's, hey, I've got this great infographic that I'm working on, and it's it, it's missing some stuff because I'm not an expert like you are in this area of homebrewing. Uh, I'm a new uh, entrant into this space. I just acquired this business, uh, name of it, blah, blah, blah. And I would love to collaborate with you on this infographic about the history of homebrewing. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are a bunch of missing pieces here. Here's the draft that I have. And you know, you can see that I, I've made some headway. It's going to be a great infographic once it's finished, but it would be so much better if I got your involvement. That's great. Right? And, th- and then they're going to be more inclined to help and to shout from their rooftops once that's done and and published to let their fans, followers, etc. know that this infographic is out there because they had a hand in it. It's It's got the mark of their ownership, their their authorship on it as well. And, of course, you're going to give them credit and everything, but then hopefully they will attribute you as well as a uh, uh, co-producer of that and then link to your site. So that's just one example. You have potentially hundreds of ideas from a brainstorming session for different kinds of uh, link-building campaigns that you could do. I, I do this for my clients. I do a link-building strategy where – I will brainstorm for an entire month and come up with dozens upon dozens upon dozens of ideas for remarkable content marketing campaigns. And uh, whichever ones resonate the most with them are the ones that we will prioritize. And uh, that could include things like listicles or um, how-tos, checklists or worksheets or um, viral videos, uh, man on the street interviews, um, uh, personality tests, quizzes, all sorts of stuff. And you know whether it uh, resonates with um, the link karate, the the influencers who have a lot of link authority as far as Google's concerned, or not, you don't know. You, you just kind of throw some mud against the wall and see what sticks. And not everything is going to perform super well. It's not all going to be a home run, but you just have to keep, uh, keep 
hitting, uh, swinging, you know, the, the bat and get some singles, you get some doubles, get some triples and you'll get the occasional home run. So. Oh, I love it. That's, I mean, it's one of those things that it, I mean, it confirms it, that it's ultimately, it's about doing the work, doing quality work. And it sounds like when it comes to content, I mean, if you can do a large quantity of quality content, Neil Patel comes up you know, in my mind as being one of those guys who produces all those remarkably long ultimate guy, like every blog post he does, which he releases, or at least he did like one a day. <laughs> and each one was like 5,000 words and it was insane. Like, so he's one of the few people I've seen do it like high, like high quantity and high quality at the same time. But if you're, uh, if you can only focus on one, would you probably focus on really remarkable content putting the extra effort in to less but better quality well quality um okay so there's this triangle of effectiveness it's quality time and money oh yeah okay right so you can't have all three you can't it's just not gonna choose two (laughs) yeah exactly at most choose two so if you want high quality and fast, then forget about cheap. If you want high quality and cheap, then forget about fast. You want cheap and fast, forget about the quality. Mm -hmm. So you want high quality content, you have to. In order to do effective SEO, it has to be high quality. It's yeah. it's not, it's, 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 it's a- So non- if all of them stay with, stay with high quality, if you've got yep. to, like that, that should be kind of like your anchor point, right? And then decide, well, if I don't have the budget to go qu- like a lot in quantity, then, then just do, do them once in a while. And then yeah, you have content. super high quality epic posts and maybe they're only once every few weeks, but that's so much better than yeah, mediocre quality blog posts on a daily basis. Exactly. Yeah. Now, is there are, is there any piece of uh, SEO wisdom, advice, et cetera, that you would normally only say for your high-paid customers and would never reveal for free on a public podcast like this? Well, I'm always very giving, so I will like uh, I'll that, share by the way. I can't tell you how many times that's worked. <laughs> <laughs> like, sure I've gotten you son of a bitch. I can't believe you got that out of me. <laughs> I, I, you know, I believe in business karma, and if yeah. you hold back in in uh, a business scenario, yeah, I just uh, I, I don't hold back. In fact, that's how I got my book deal. How I got the art of SEO uh, was because I was so giving in a session called Give It Up in the very first SMX Advanced in two thousand and seven. And I was just uh, sharing my super secret tips that nobody else knew. And I got the audience to raise their hands and say, do you know this one? Do you know this one? Do you know this one? I gave stuff away. And almost nobody raised their hands uh, for most of them. And, and the room included some of the top SEOs in the world. And uh, yeah, that yeah, made I, a splash I, I, a bit. Oh, my God. So three weeks later, I'm at the SES Toronto conference. Uh, after SMX Advanced, and Rand Fishkin, who I had never spoken to, knew of, of course, uh, founder of SEO Moz, now called Moz.com, but at the time it was SEO Moz. He comes up to me in the speaker room and gives me a hug. I'm like, wow, (laughs) hi, (laughs) nice to meet you. Uh, He said, dude, you really brought it at SMX Advanced a few weeks ago at the Give It Up panel. It was amazing. And we just had the best conversation, and in that conversation, we decided to do a book together. That wouldn't happen awesome. if I had just shared everything, not holding back. And you know, it's funny. And so I gave Danny Sullivan that idea of a give it up uh, session, mm-hmm. and and he said we're we're gonna not let anybody blog. You're gonna embargo, not let anybody. Um, blog about the content of this session. It's going to be super secret. And then he changes his mind at the last minute within the, I don't know, within two weeks of the conference saying, well, you know what? We'll just do it for 30 days. Like what? That's a big (laughs) difference between never getting to blog about these secret tips. And uh, you just have to wait 30 days before you spill the beans and like, okay, whatever. Yeah, so my stuff that was like super ninja about how to identify the indented uh, grouped listing, you know, and you, the back when Google did what was called host crowding, and I figured out how to check 
what the true position was when you see position one and two, and you could know that uh, that it's actually not probably number two. It just appears as number two. So I just did ampersand num equals nine to see nine results per page of, of Google search results, and then num equals eight to see eight and so forth until that indented result dropped away. I figured that out on my own. I love reverse engineering the Google algorithm, and I shared that on the stage, and I blew everybody's mind, and then that was out for the entire world to know about uh, 30 days later. Kind of not fair, but I, I'm, I'm not complaining because I got an amazing book deal out of it uh, with that amazing conversation that Rand and I had after the, the show. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. As far as like w what sort of thing can I share that's super secret that not very many SEOs yeah. know about? Yeah. All right. So there's a way to do link outreach that is essentially like having salesforce.com as a salesperson and nobody else in your industry has it. You know, back okay. when, remember when early days of salesforce.com and uh, yep. it wasn't widespread yep. and, and it was like a secret weapon that you could have salesforce.com and do all this sophisticated stuff for the lead nurturing, everything that you could do. Mm -hmm. You could still do by hand, but it was so much better, more facilitated and, and you didn't drop the ball on different leads because you had salesforce.com. So yep. there's a tool called Pitchbox that mm. is the best link outreach tool. It is essentially like salesforce.com for outreaching to influencers, to the Linkerati. It has workflow. It has the template library. But don't use the template li library because those are just for ideas. you got to come up with your own yeah, brilliant ideas. Yeah, a little more, yeah. Not just a little bit, but completely. Yeah. Because everybody's thinking about, oh, how do I get uh, noticed with my guest post pitch? you got to stop with the guest posting and think about how do I add massive value to the person and how do I build relationship with the person? How do I get into their world and understand what life is like for them and have them feel like they feel gotten by me? Those aren't the sort of conversations that typical link builders are having. True. So you need to think differently, but you need to use a powerful tool that allows you to scale this outreach. And that's what Pitchbox does. And it's it's super white hat. Yeah, there are black hats that use it, but it's the agencies that are wh white hat that I think get the most benefit out of Pitchbox because how can you scale your outreach if you're doing it all by hand? You're using, you know, I don't know, Gmail or something to outreach to every single one of these bloggers, and you're not using tools that prospect for you, that identify the bloggers in that niche. Let's say it's homebrewing, right? And it uh, aggregates all of those um, uh, opportunities together, allows you to uh, prioritize the different contacts that it finds at each of the sites. So maybe there's a marketing director, maybe there's a, a communications director, and maybe there's a webmaster at, and you want webmaster at on the bottom of the list, because that's where all the spam ends up going mm -hmm. to. And maybe contact the marketing director first with your 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 pitch and it. so this tool does all that for you it uh you you do uh, you can do automated follow-up so you have a template for what the follow-up is is hey i'm about to reach deadline for this article and i really wanted to quote you but i still haven't heard from you yet could you please get back to me before five o'clock um tomorrow and that's your follow-up and you you automated it so you went into pitchbox and you said on day 12 or day 14 or whatever, send this follow-up email forwarding the original email and it handles that all for you and it shows a pipeline report. It sounds just like Salesforce, right? So sales pipeline, mm -hmm. but now this is an outreach pipeline. That's, so that's cool. A, By the way, I see your little testimonial right on the front page of there, pitchbox.com. I love it. I love it. This is super cool. I love I'm tools a, like I'm this. And, I have not, and I'm familiar, like I've used Mailshake and I've used, um, you know, I forget what, I, I've got a couple other ones. I forget what they're called, but um, I've used them a little bit, but not to a large uh, degree. But I know I love stuff like this. and I love having tools, but man, this has been fantastic. Um, but that also brings us to the... Uh, to the end of the interview or the epicizzle, as I like to call it on Bacon Rat Business. And this has been, you know, this has been fantastic. And I can already tell that these folks, after listening to you, are going to want to get a little more dose of Stefan. 
What uh, you got two podcasts out there, right? I do marketing speak and yes, and and the optimized. So marketing speak, I'm going to guess, is a little bit more marketing oriented. You would guess correct. (laughs) Yes, Uh, and the optimized geek sounds like it's SEO, but it's not. It's all about life hacking and biohacking and personal development. Love that. So um, marketingspeak.com and and is it optimized geek or the optimized geek? Dot com, either one will take oh, you there. Of course, you got both. That's fantastic. Stefan, is there any nuts you're trying to crack in your business right now? And by that, I mean, are you trying, you know, is there anybody you're trying to meet? Is there any skill you're trying to learn? Is there anything you're trying to find or get rid of? I mean, this is where me and my audience can potentially add value to you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'm working on a relaunch of my membership site currently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love any kind of uh, uh, introductions to experts in in that space of building up membership sites. Uh, I have a team who are working on it. We've gone through the training from Stu McLaren, uh, Mm -hmm. which is uh, Tribe. And uh, yeah, we're in the process of of implementing all that. What's the membership uh, site about? Is it primarily SEO or is it? Yeah, it's primarily SEO. There's online marketing um, uh, components to it as well, like uh, conversion and and social media marketing and uh, analytics and so forth. But yeah, it's primarily SEO focused. And um, this is a a new area for me. I've been doing a membership site for only about a year and a half. I have a a small membership base and I really want to expand it and I want to serve a lot of people, like thousands and thousands and thousands of people. So um, I, I know there are subject matter experts out there, I need a workhorse who's actually going to implement it for us or assist with the implementation because uh, it's great to get some advice. Like I've gotten advice to switch from uh, using just simply Membirium to Membirium plus LearnDash. Mm-hmm. Great, great advice. And we're in the process of implementing it. And then we've had issues with integration of oh, – yeah. uh, Zoom with the uh, uh, with Infusionsoft, and I was just like, ah, oh, there's so many little issues that that crop up. So that's uh, that's my current uh, challenge right now. Okay, well, I will uh, put my thinking cap on, and if anybody out there listening, um, if this fits the bill, if you either can help Stefan or uh, he can help you, Stefan, is there is there a good way to get in contact with you if anybody wants to hit you up? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, so my email is stefan at stephanspencer.com. My main website is stephanspencer.com. That's where you can go for tons of resources on SEO, uh, free downloads and uh, webinar replays, all sorts of good stuff. And oh, by the way, I'm happy to give uh, your listeners, Brad, a, um, a free chapter from the book, not just any chapter from The Art of SEO, but chapter seven which mm. is the chapter I always recommend people start with rather than chapter one because it's uh, it really gets your creative juices flowing. It's all about link building and content marketing and how to use that for uh, for SEO. And, and so that? that chapter is uh, going to be at marketingspeak.com slash bacon. Gotcha. I'm writing and that I'll down and that'll be in the show notes. Stuff. Perfect. Right in the so show I'm going to in- – include in there some other freebies as well some really valuable uh, downloads including uh, my SEO myths white paper uh, I'll include a, uh, a, a blueprint for hiring an SEO either agency or consultant or, or in-house employee and I'll include the SEO BS detector. So mm. the kinds of trick questions you can insert into an interview, whether it's for an agency or for an individual that you're hiring to do SEO for you. How do you know that you're not getting snookered? Because you don't know SEO. These are trick questions that you can insert very slyly into the interview process and find out that uh, what they are doing is actually blowing smoke. Like, for example... Tell me a bit about your process for optimizing meta keywords. Sounds very innocent enough, but it's a trick question because there is no correct process for optimizing meta keywords. Meta keywords never, ever counted in Google. They were never a ranking factor. So if they say something, you know that they're BS. Yeah, the only right answer is meta keywords. Are you serious? Google never counted them. 
So there you go. Ah, I love it. I love it. Marketingspeak.com forward slash bacon. Guys, you heard it here. Stefan, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. And for everybody else, take a look at the show notes here. I put a lot of, uh, I'm going to be put, putting a lot of the links here below. And if you have any questions for me, if you've got anything uh, you'd like to run up the flagpole, get my second opinion on, you can always reach out to me personally at askbrad at baconwrappedbusiness.com. Happy to see if I can lend a hand. Until next time, Stefan, thank you very much. And go get some sleep, dude. I know it's getting late over there in Tel Aviv. (laughs) Will do.